Hey again, Pastor Susan. Hey, Pastor Joel. Good to see you again and good to speak with folks uh, on the podcast once again this week. Um, we're looking at uh, a smattering of stuff today. Um, all of uh, First Thessalonians uh, is sort of the meat in the middle of our sandwich, but then it's <laughs> combined uh, with uh, Colossians 4 and Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Um, so after this, um, let's see, we will have gone through 42 chapters of the New hey, Testament. Hey, that sounds like an accomplishment. Yeah. 42 chapters. That's pretty good. We've got a pretty good, a pretty good chunk of the chunk of this, uh, you know, year long project down. That's right. That's right. Go team. That's right. Um, so uh, we'll uh, we'll talk about First and Second Thessalonians together uh, in a moment, but um, let's uh, let's hop into Colossians. Um, we spent a little time talking about Colossians last week, and here we've got Colossians chapter four. And you might notice that like Colossians chapter four feels like it should be part of chapter three. It sure does. It's interesting, right? Like even in the way my Bible describes it or it writes it, it is printed in such a way that the first verse of chapter four mm -hmm. actually appears with chapters three. And then there's this big section break that continues onto what actually is a fairly different topic, right? Right. Um, Interesting that they wrap up the household codes, um, but then move into the second the second segment in chapter four about prayer, mm -hmm. and really moves into that the value of devoting yourself to prayer and being watchful, mm. um, and praying praying for opportunities and openings for that that they could declare the message of the gospel and see see that they are ways to proclaim this mystery, which is, I think, a cool thing. You know, if you think about the fact they're in, in prison, they're fighting to help forward the message of the gospel, looking for opportunities. I don't know. There's just something, I think, inspiring when I think about prayer mm. and linking it with being watchful mm. and thankful both, right? Right. right. And, and gracious, it, it mm. looks to me here too, as, as verse six says, I, I guess that's more about speech, but I think that if we are regularly turning to prayer, we'll also be gracious mm. with our speech, that, mm. that the growth in faith will correlate with like the growth in terms of like how we love other people. Mm -hmm. um, no, I think that there's, there's, um, I know that there's a movement, not not in the Presbyterian Church, but among some of our more conservative siblings, that uh, this this time in American history is not the time for Christians to be winsome. Some of them think, hmm. but that desperate times call for desperate measures. Hmm. Um, this is what happens when I get too active in lurking on Twitter <laughs> or X, as it's called. Is, is oh, I, I, I see some of some of these things, um, and I, I think that. Um, I don't know that that's the case with anybody here at Sunnyside, but just knowing knowing the that that that's some conversation that's going on in Christendom is helpful, especially in terms of how we can respond as faithful Christians to that. That it's actually always the right mm. time to be winsome mm. with what we believe. It's always the right time to let our speech be gracious, seasoned with salt, as Paul says in mm. verse six, and then you know being able to respond to people, but to do so in a way that names the image of God within them. Mm. And that assumes good faith unless they've shown you that you can't do that. Mm. Um, I, and I think that we can, we can only do that when we're regularly devoted to prayer to mm. your point. Mm. Yeah. Well, well said. 
uh, it takes that the undergirding, mm. I think, of a prayer life and an outward kind of um, orientation of, mm -hmm. of being watchful and thankful to be able to bring the grace mm -hmm. in order to have the conversation. Well, in, in addition to naming like the fact that there's this weird chapter break, which we'll we'll talk about, I think at, at, at a later date, what's going on with these you know odd chapter breaks. I think it's also worthwhile to name that uh, Paul. We think of him sometimes as like an individual, mm -hmm. but he's got this entire community like of of people who uh, help to prop him up mm -hmm. and, and help to enable him to do the work mm -hmm. he does. Like there, it, and you see this at the end of several of Paul's letters, where it's almost like the credits to a That's movie. That's right. And I mean, they're, they're long, right? Yes, if you look at like right. a, in a four chapter letter, he spends an awful lot of chapter one and chapter four, mm -hmm. kind of both extending warm welcomes and sharing prayer and then closing with these final blessings right. um, and, and lifting up the people who are around him. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think it's a, it's a great way to end the, the letter to the Colossians. I love that Paul directs us. To, it, Paul doesn't allow us to think of him as just like self-made and mm -hmm. standing alone, but like needs to be in this community. Mm. Um, and as we turn to the letters that Paul wrote to the Thessalonians, there are two letters, um, the first letter and the second letter. And, and these letters both have a similar structure. The second one's a little shorter than the first, and it has a couple of different emphases. But for the most part, they flow with like, Paul offering encouragement to the church mm -hmm. at, I don't ever know if it's pronounced Thessalonica or Thessalonica. Oh, um, I've never heard the but, latter. I've always yeah. heard Thessalonica, but I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's, um, but the church at, at, at that place. That, yes, that one. <laughs> Perfect. So there's, there's a lot of encouragement that Paul mm -hmm. has here. And then like, it seemed like the people, the Thessalonians were interested in what's going on with Jesus coming back. And I think that um, Paul was interested in this too. Mm -hmm. Like, I think I think Paul was convinced. Um, Pastor Susan and I were talking before we we got into this, I, and, and she mentioned, you know, Paul was convinced that Jesus was coming back. That's right. Like, whether yeah. it's tomorrow, whether it's next week, but like. Mm -hmm. He's on his way. Right. It's yeah. not definitely not going to be 2000. Right. You know, we think it was a brand new movement. And, you know, today we think about passing this on from one generation to the next. Mm -hmm. um, really, we don't, we may think about the end of our own lives, but I don't think we think about the end of the world. Right. right? That sounds mm -hmm. crazy. Right. <laughs> and so for, but Paul really had lived and seen and borne witness to these dramatic breaking ins of, of, of God's kingdom into the world around him uh, and then pointed towards, and I think had the expectation, okay, Jesus died. Jesus was resurrected. The disciples saw him ascend into heaven. He's coming right back. Right. And so all of this suffering, it, it is, it won't last forever. And we know that still today that it won't last forever. We have an eternal hope. Mm -hmm. And yet I think his forever was a little more immediate, a little bit more like right. today, maybe That's later right. today, uh, maybe I won't make my four o'clock, <laughs> you know? So. Like, like elsewhere in, in the New Testament, you see folks talking about, and uh, I think it's maybe James, like, don't say tomorrow we're going to do such and mm -hmm. such um, because it may be that, you know, either you will join Jesus in heaven mm -hmm. at that time or Jesus will, mm -hmm. will return. Mm -hmm. um, there's a lot of like focus on the afterlife, mm -hmm. um, which, uh, you know, 
there's some of that that we could we could use. Um, right. There's that good and right place mm -hmm. to have a, an internal perspective, right, and to sort of set our sights and our our goals and live with our with that hope in mind. Right. Um, but I don't think that means you know ignoring tomorrow either. Right. right? So, That's right. But there's yeah, but certainly First and Thessalonians, there's an there's a big interest in the return. Right. How's it going to happen? Mm -hmm. What's it going to look like? Mm -hmm. How do we live and behave until that time? Um, and so there's a lot of direction in in return. Well, I know that we've been doing these books kind of chronologically, but maybe let's just go mm -hmm. there to First Thessalonians four and five, if that's okay with mm -hmm. Pastor Susan, um, because this is where a lot of the language mm -hmm. about you know the second coming of Jesus comes from. Like I, I think that yeah, you get in ver uh, verse sixteen of chapter four, the Lord Himself with a cry of command, with the archangels calling, with the sound of God's trumpet, will descend from heaven. Um, and there's this awesome like uh, like image that you can get, which you know series like Left Behind have mm -hmm. really taken and expanded mm -hmm. uh, in, in in so many ways with this doctrine of the rapture. Mm -hmm. um, this doctrine suggests that um, Jesus is going to come and like snap up all of the believers to join him, and then there will be like this tribulation, usually of seven years, um, after which Jesus mm -hmm. will finally bring a new heaven and a new earth. Um, and, and like some of that is in here, but right. But maybe that's an important place to recognize the difference between a holy and sacred text in a mm. fiction book. Right. Uh, and it's, isn't it great that, I mean, those, that was a huge high profit, you know, uh, high, the, the, they sold a lot of books, totally. right? It got and, a lot of people um, thinking about. I think their TV shows and all kinds of stuff mm -hmm. because it's really interesting. Right. Most people, I think, honestly, like you know, if you start talking about the end times and the end of the world, that's it, it peaks an eyebrow, right? Um, but that's the difference between taking the sacred text, right. which is about our, the, our life orientation, and then mm -hmm. a place of imagination right. and a place of really embellishment and right. putting, you know, as fiction should and does beautifully sometimes mm -hmm. help us really kind of um, expand our place of imagination of what that might look like. Right. But then it's hard sometimes to come back to the actual text, right? right? And keep the keep those lines separated well, because they, that's been well recorded in our mind. This is one of the reasons I actually, um, for a long time, didn't watch The Chosen as, mm. as a TV show. It's like I, I don't want to mix up the sacred text and this representation mm. of the sacred mm. text. Yeah, um, and, and at the same time, like good art can focus you right. deeper into Absolutely. the text. And, and I think that, that for some, Left Behind has done that. Mm. Um, to spur us on to greater and greater reliance mm -hmm. uh, in uh, on Jesus, on our Lord. Um, but yeah, what we don't see, we don't see a um, sort of robust doctrine of the rapture here. Mm -hmm. That was some. That, that was a, a theological kind of creation using scripture, of course. But like a creation of like the 18th and 19th century. Um, mm -hmm. This was not something that the early church fathers believed, or the early church mothers, excuse me, uh, as well. Um, the rapture is sort of an, a newfangled idea. Mm. Um, what we do know, though, is that Jesus is coming again, and yeah. and we can 
bet the bank on that, mm-hmm. right? We can we can bet the house on that. Um, whether it's going to be during our lifetime or not, well, you know, who knows? In the mechanics of it, we'll trust that to God, but mm-hmm. we can trust that Jesus is coming again and that death is not the end. But, you know, as it says here, you know, in verse 16, the dead in Christ will rise first. Mm-hmm. There's there's a, a way that Jesus cares even for the forebears of our faith mm-hmm. and bringing them up mm-hmm. um, to join him in the sky. Um, but now that you have called our attention to that, Pastor yeah. Joel, I can't help but not again. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> right. Did you really bring that up? I wondered if you were if you were going to do that, right? Uh-huh. Because that is a tricky idea. Like, right? How in the world will our forebears rise yeah. in Christ? Right. right. Or does that? You know, I think also some of the um, our Catholic brothers and sisters who look for any type of. Um, you know, scriptural tradition um, around purgatory. Mm. I think they probably pull some of that from texts similar, sure. right? Mm-hmm. To say, to imply that they, there are some who are still sleeping. Mm-hmm. And in the Protestant tradition, I think we would That's most right. commonly not, you know, we would say Christ's work has, is complete in mm-hmm. resurrection. And that process for us of sanctification is made complete in the in Christ's forgiveness and love and call for us um, and the ability to dwell with Christ in all all times and places, even mm-hmm. immediately after death, right? Absolutely. Yeah. I it's it's curious what that means. And right? I, I wonder if there is there's some thought that um when, when we talk about the things of God, um, space and time gets mm. so blurred. Oh my and blended, gosh, right? And, and it begins to twist my mind, I know. Mm-hmm. That's, but that's, again, physics, uh-huh. right? right? There's yeah, some, like I, I, I think there could be some interesting um, scientists that mm-hmm. you know, they could add some interesting input there. So I, I wonder if, like, there, there is a, a cry of command um, that that the Lord Himself offers that reaches us at different times. I mean, if if, if we want to get into some of the mechanics of it, mm. um, the dead in Christ rising first, right after they die, mm. um, before we who are still living mm. um, will will rise to join mm. Christ in heaven. Mm. Um, I think that what we've done just in in the short conversation in in chapters four and five is to maybe spur on greater questions. <laughs> Um, because mm. the the text doesn't give a whole lot of answers. Mm. It really, I think, is designed. Paul Paul is writing this letter. I think is an encouragement mm-hmm. to the Thessalonians, and one of the things that he's encouraging them toward is, uh, you know, at verse thirteen, the beginning of this section. Um, we don't want you to be uninformed about those mm. who have died. Mm. We don't want you to grieve as others mm. do who have no hope. Mm. We believe that through Jesus, God will bring with him those who've died. Mm. That the, the what Paul's writing this for is to encourage the people who think, I'm never going to see my loved one again. Mm. Um, Paul's not trying to write a, a theology of mm. uh, like an, like an eschatological theology, right. if you want to use the million dollar That's, terms. Yeah. No, Paul's writing with pastoral care in mind, mm. um, and I think that that colors how he talks about mm. Jesus' second coming. Mm. It, it does. I think it's also interesting to just note its timeline in the letters that mm. we've read from Paul. That this First Thessalonians is towards the beginning of the yeah. the pastoral letters that Paul has written, and you know, I, in that sense, you know, I think we see all, while all of Paul is represented. There's mm. also um, parts of Paul that I think are more robustly developed in other in other books. Mm. Right. So, 
No, I think that's exactly right. Uh, thank you for bringing our attention to the fact that this was earlier. This is not mm -hmm. sort of Paul's like mature right. uh, uh, systematic theology mm -hmm. like you might find mm -hmm. in Romans. Mm -hmm. um, that's right. It's, but it's and it's it's also to a people who may not have had a theological teacher like Paul mm -hmm. before. Mm -hmm. Yeah, which is hopeful to if you know to even to me as a teacher, mm -hmm. I find that really hopeful, right? right. Because um, I there's certainly been shifts and changes throughout mm. that my teaching in the that's time right. that I've been with the Bible and sharing the Bible with others. Mm -hmm. And so that's good news. There's lots more growth Thanks to happen. God. That's yes. right. Yeah. Well, let's, um, we skip to chapters four and five. Let's, let's turn, return to chapter two. I, I've got a couple things that struck me in chapter two. I love this idea how how Paul is like walking a, a bit of a mm -hmm. tightrope here. He's like, you know, mm -hmm. we didn't want to come and take mm -hmm. advantage of your hospitality, but we also wanted to give you mm -hmm. an opportunity to provide hospitality. Mm -hmm. And I feel this way whenever we come up on pledge season, right? Oh on my gosh, season, right? right? Good application. Like, I, I want I want the people of God to like be able to participate in the work mm -hmm. of God. And it's also not like, I don't want to be the pastor up front shaking the finger at people. Oh, gosh, money. Right. Like, that's just Awkward. not great. Right. Um, and, and I think that Paul's trying to balance that same thing. Like, mm. we, we would love for you to be a part of the mission mm -hmm. as far as you'd like to be mm -hmm. and to give you that chance. But right. we're not here to, like, extort you. Right. No, um, that's a very I, good point. I, I think that the the word that, that I've come to rely on for that, it's not dependence. It's not independence. Mm -hmm. It's interdependence, mm -hmm. where we are both for one another, right? right? Um, yep. So I, I, I love Paul's description of that. I just wish that Paul could have continued using those lovely descriptions um, as he talks later in this chapter in verses 14 to 16, um, <laughs> which is like a change a, of tone, a little yeah. bit of a change of tone. Like Paul's giving thanks. He's having a great time. Mm -hmm. But then he talks about how the people, uh, the Thessalonians he's writing to, he says in verse 14, you suffered the same things from your own compatriots as they did from the Jews. He goes on saying the Jews killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets, drove us out. He goes on, they displease God and oppose everyone by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles so they may be saved. They've been constantly filling up the measure of their sins, but God's wrath has overtaken them at last. Mm -hmm. This is a really like, speaking of teachers who may like, you know, have some work to do, right. like this That's feels uncomfortable. It does. Me. Yeah, it sure does. I think, um, you know, he's, he's in a compromised position, right? He's trying mm -hmm. to forward his, this message mm -hmm. and there are people who are opposing the message. Um, but yeah, it sounds a little more than grumpy here. He's making some right. awfully large kind of, he's categorizing a whole individual, like whole groups, right? He's saying mm -hmm. the Jews, right. uh, um, and you know, calling back, it was the Jews who killed the Lord Jesus mm -hmm. and drove us out. Uh, um, that's, that is, uh, well, yeah, that's uncomfortable. It's stuff that's like right. that that leads to genocide, mm -hmm. right? That leads to, you know, concentration camps, uh, to be blunt. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, that's, and, and that's, I don't think that Paul would have been excited about mm -hmm. that. I agree. <laughs> and, and I, it, it and, and, and there's also this balance that I think we have to take between seeing issues with our sacred text and also trusting our sacred mm -hmm. text. Um, I think it's, it's just a very hard, like needle to thread. Right. I mean, I do think as 
like throughout the course, again, I think whenever reading, we always have to see it in the whole. Mm -hmm. uh, and in the course of Paul's writings, like this seems to me like he's upset, right? He's, yeah. he's angry. He's pointing fingers um, and in throwing names in this instance. But I don't know that he, I mean, I think he's talking to a specific group of people who have opposed and oppressed him mm -hmm. more so than categ the categorization right. of a whole people group. Right. That right? This, is, this is not the Jews writ large. That's These right. These are the particular Jews of like the circumcision party that That's maybe right. talked about in Galatians. Mm -hmm. Uh, that these are the particular ones who oppose him coming from place to place and actually mm -hmm. tried to kill him. I would be mad at those people too, if I were Paul. Right. Um, yep. It's interesting that just, you know, as you note in the early part of chapter two, he names kind of very clearly not dependence, um, but interdependence. And, and he's sort of labeling like how we relate to each other, who we are to each other in the same way. He's not bashful about naming right. the opposition. Right. Um, and that is still to this day, right? A very tricky thing. How do we talk about the discomfort mm -hmm. um, in relationship to others mm -hmm. and groups of, of people uh, in a way that creates connection and, and that fosters mm -hmm. Um, respect, respectful dialogue and doesn't end up throwing kind of daggers saying it's, it's us and them. It's, right. you know, it's just those people, mm -hmm. right? That's what most of Paul is not about. And certainly the gospel is not about right. that. It's a reminiscent, I think, of an earlier conversation we had, maybe it was back in Ephesians, um, where, you know, the other, oh no, it was in Philippians because we were talking about other churches who might have different means of sharing the gospel of Christ, but like, let's rejoice, gospel of Christ is being mm -hmm. proclaimed. Mm -hmm. I think that we can definitely take issue with mm. the, the different practices that other mm. churches have while also celebrating the work they're doing. Oh, yes. Um, there's, yeah. there's distinction well, and, right. and the, the desire for unity, but then also going back to that ordination vow, I think we talked about with, with Ephesians to further the peace, unity, and purity mm -hmm. of the church. There's also that purity mm. where for the good of those we serve, we need to advocate for the whole gospel that includes, you know, for example, the inclusion of women in ordained in ordained ministry. It includes, you know, the a care for unity and racial reconciliation in our world. Um, that these are things that perhaps other denominations may not put forward. Mm. Um, and and we can say we can celebrate the good work that they do while also being very pointed in a respectful way of the places we disagree. Mm. Maybe, maybe maybe we shouldn't be like Paul and like throwing throwing the baby out with the bathwater, mm -hmm. as it were. But but maybe we can be like Paul and being just as strident, mm. um, winsome, but strident mm. about the differences as we are about the places of unity. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And in fact, maybe that helps support the whole in the end, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. yeah. Clarity is kindness. That's right. <laughs> I love it. Well, um, there's. Uh, First, First Thessalonians. There's, there's some other pieces in here. I, I wonder if there's anything else that we want to sort of spend some time with before looking at the first chapter of Second Thessalonians. And there's, there's some, some good stuff in chapter five. You've got sort of a remix of mm -hmm. the, the armor of God, sort of in its, uh, in its nascent form in verses, verse eight. Like it's, um, it's not as thought through as, as in Ephesians, mm. but you, you got the breastplate of faith and love, hope of salvation as a helmet. 
Um, and then uh, a lot of really short verses. <laughs> I remember when I yeah. had to memorize a verse of scripture when I was uh, growing up in church. One of the verses I looked at was First Thessalonians five sixteen. Be joyful that's always, right? Yeah. right? <laughs> yes, it was that's also a, Jesus that's a good Web. Right, that's, from John uh -huh, those are the two. <laughs> that's great. Yeah. Um, so I think he ends this, you know, again with all of the kind of short encouragements, mm -hmm. um, you know, be joyful, pray continually, give mm -hmm. thanks. Um, I kind of like it in 19, do not put out the spirit's fire, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. uh, avoid every kind yeah. of evil, hold on to the good. Um, yeah. That's cool. All right. Should we move on to second Thessalonians? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so second Thessalonians opens with like uh, the, the same sort of like delight and excitement and Thanksgiving as, as first Thessalonians does. Um, it's just a, a little bit shorter in nature. Mm -hmm. And so it gets to like the hellfire a little bit more. <laughs> um, just as Paul oh, had some things to say about um, God's judgment against the people who are prohibiting the spread of, of, of the good news. In 1 Thessalonians, so too does Paul have something to say about punishment mm. in verses like ballpark 7, 8, eight 9 yep. of chapter 1. There's a lot of passion here mm. from Paul. Yeah, which again, I mean, he's he's living in this new tradition of faith. Um, where people are opposing him and has given up everything to follow mm -hmm. and to proclaim this message. Mm -hmm. um, but he's, he's kind of he's like, I feel like he's just not, he's not going to go down without a fight, right? Like I, right. that's sort of his temperament in a lot right. of ways. And, and part of the, uh, part of, in some ways, I think how God used mm -hmm. his temperament and in, in nature to help proclaim the gospel. Mm -hmm. But yeah, he, he kind of comes out swinging a little bit here. Yeah, and I wonder if there is there's a, a sense where we, we need that promise of justice in mm. order to trust God, that that in setting things right, mm -hmm. it's it's not that God is keeping a cosmic tally of all the good and all the bad we do. And if the good outweighs the bad, somehow we'll get to heaven. That's that's not how God works. We we need to throw ourselves upon God's grace. But but I do think that there is a sense in which um God does promise deliverance mm. and God does promise ultimate liberation, which then, which means sort of like a, a raising up of the lowly right. and a lowering of those yeah. that are raised up. Yeah. That's a hopeful word, right? To just to be reminded as he says, God is just, mm -hmm. right? Just to, the simple reality and in, in proclaiming that truth that God is just, God will pay back trouble to those who trouble you and give relief to those who, to you who are troubled and to us as right. well. I, I think to like two things pop to mind and I'll, I'll try to make this brief so we can close out. Um, but when uh, Osama bin Laden was, was brought to justice, there was, there was like a, a weird mix of yes. like joy <laughs> right. there that mm -hmm. like this, this troubler of America will no longer terrorize. But then also there was a sense in which like, I don't know that we can celebrate right. the killing of a fellow human being. Right. Uh, but there is like like a sense that justice has been done. Mm -hmm. And I think mm -hmm. it's the same feeling that I get when I see somebody who has been accused of something who ends up like getting sentenced to that, whether it's in the media or whatnot, like justice has been done, like that, that God is a God of the oppressed and brings like light upon victims mm -hmm. um, so that victims can be at peace. 
I think that there's something really that we can look forward to, even if that means like putting up with grumpy Paul. Um, <laughs> yeah, but there's an order that God is right. is ordering all things and will hold all of this together That's in the right. cosmos, right? That's right. I think that is a word of hope. So in these last couple of minutes, uh, let's think about the good news that God has for us in this text, how we might live differently, and if there's a word or a phrase that has resonated with us. Do you want to go first or do you want to push that over to me? Hmm. I think I want to go first. Um, so when I think about what is God's good news for me, hearkening um, back, I think, to First Thessalonians, you know, so I have always really loved the sense of um, Paul's familiarity mm -hmm. when he, as he writes these letters, mm -hmm. um, his, the sense of friendship, um, acquaintance, define the relationship, mm -hmm. um, the way he, he has an interdependence and partnership mm -hmm. with, with the people, with the believers and the, and the people to whom he's writing. So I think it's just, it's, I think I see a word of, of grace in that, that, mm -hmm. um, you know, we are partners in ministry. Uh, and just as we are partners in ministry, God is, you know, opening doors and calling us forth into the world to share in the partnership of God's ministry in this world. I think for me, the good news is that we don't need to grieve as others do who have no hope from First Thessalonians 4. I love that passage. And I think as we look to maybe the one word that resonates for us, for me, I would say is gracious speech from Colossians mm. 4. You know, I think about the, um, flipping through that's funny, guys. So be joyful always mm, actually really right. resonates, even through the hardship that there mm. is joy abundantly. Let's bring that gracious joy with us. Mm. Thanks for the conversation. Amen. Thanks, Pastor Joel. We'll see you next week. We'll talk next week.